0: From flesh and blood to my flesh and blood. Here we are on Tell Me Your Story once again to have a very interesting conversation with our guests and uh, we are always excited about this program. It's really kind of funny when I start doing these programs, I become plural. Uh, Actually it's almost like in third person when I'm talking. We are here uh, on Tell Me Your Story. Well collectively you and I and our guest are here together to um, learn a little bit about what's going on in the world, but what's going on in the universe, going on uh, in the spirit realm, if you will. Our very special guest today is the author of a book which sort of takes part of a title uh, of another book uh, from an author that I interviewed many years ago and have been interviewing for, good, uh, 20-some-odd years, I think. The the original book by Greg Braden was called The God Code. Well, we're going to talk about a new book. It's called Hacking the God Code, The Conspiracy to Steal the Human Soul. Patricia, Corey, I want to thank you so much for being with us here on the program. I uh, don't want to scare people uh, <clears throat> about this, but at the same time, it's probably information that it it couldn't hurt to have, right? Welcome.
1: Thank you. I don't want to scare anybody either, so I'm delighted to be with you and take apart some of the things that are going on. Yeah. Uh, with- I, you know, to, to look at reality without fear and to decide, you know, how we're going to manage it.
0: Now, you and I, here in America, you, what part of the world are you in, by the way?
1: I live in the Azora Islands, which is off the coast of Portugal. I'm, I'm between Northern, Cal- Northern America continent and the European continent.
0: I know about the islands. I have another friend who lives out there as well on, the, on, uh, <clears throat> on one of the islands. then I have another good friend who lives on, I think, is it? I believe it's on the island of Malta, which is in the Mediterranean Sea, of course. You're not. You're out on the Atlantic.
1: Yeah, it's
0: further. uh, Further in.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What made you. First of all, what
0: what what was what what uh, is the reason why you chose to move to and live in the Azores? Because you don't sound like you're a native. No, I grew up in the.
1: Uh, San Francisco Bay Area, Uh, then I moved to Italy because I'm Italian, I'm Italian-American. I moved to Italy in uh, 83, and I lived there for 30 years, and then I decided it was time to get out of civilization. Uh, I I have a pretty prophetic mind, Mm -hmm. and I told my partner at the time, I said, you know, things are going to get pretty dicey here, I want to be away from civilization, because Rome is a mega galactic city. So I don't make it's not mega galactic, it's just mega. Uh-huh. So I uh, came out here and I fell in love with it. It was remote, it's underpopulated, it's the middle of nowhere, lots of whales and dolphins, lots of beauty. And I just said, I'm going to settle here someday. And when we broke up, my man and I, I said, the day has come. So that was five years ago. And I'm, I'm very, very happy to be here, far oh. away from as much insanity as possible.
0: Well, I know that <clears throat> there are a lot of people who want to get away from it all, get away from the craziness, the chaos, the confusion, the, 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 the lies, the rhetoric, and, and you, can, you can speak from a religious or a political or an economic perspective, whatever you want, um, even education. people just want to get away and I I have to wonder uh, on the one hand on a personal level and this is sort of a question to you on a personal level obviously that was a good thing but do you think that that's a good thing for us as a civilization Uh, because without each other you know we, we don't we don't grow quite the same way we we don't innovate. We don't create. We don't discover. Uh, uh, we don't uh, do a lot of the things. And granted, I, I'm not advocating we 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 kill people off to keep us at eight billion or less. But at the same time, I'm thinking eight billion. I I I, I think we should stop now. Okay, at least for a little while. Stop creating more human beings. We've got enough. Kind of thing. You know what I mean?
1: has uh, to be happening.
0: Yeah. But at the same time, I'm thinking, uh, you know, there you are. You're you, Now, I would venture you're not off the grid. You're just away from the the whirlpool, if you will.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm on a relatively small island, but, uh, you know, and it, it, having come from a huge me- uh, metropolis in the San Francisco Bay Area and then Rome, it's kind of a shocker to, to gear down. It's like being in a small town. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a couple of supermarkets. You know it's very small, and that doesn't mean that you've unplugged from civilization. But you've just, in my case, I just feel like I've realigned with nature. I'm closer to the ocean. Uh, the communities here are, are tighter because obviously you know there are not as many people. Right. And it, but I'm still plugged in because I'm a public figure. So I'm working, talking, writing connecting with people all over the world which is an aspect of our society now especially since the vid came along and locked us in our houses and we started innovating by communicating with each other through the screen which is a good and a bad thing and I'm not a big fan of technology as you know from reading my book but um, it helps but I agree with you completely that without each other which is a situation that we've run into in this period of time where we've been isolated, forcibly isolated from each other, families, lovers,
0: neighbors, it's uh, it's I would even challenge, I would even challenge that assertion. And here's the reason why, here's the reason why. We, We collectively chose to listen to and follow the instructions of the people who are in charge who supposedly know better who know what we should be doing. We made the choice. I refuse to abdicate responsibility to somebody else that we were forced. Nobody was forced. Uh, now, yeah.
1: well, let's say this. Hold on.
0: Okay. When,
1: when you're a father of five children and they tell you, you can't work anymore unless you take the jab,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not forcibly, they're not, you know, they're not, Putting you down on a table yet?
0: Mm-hmm. Yet,
1: yes. <laughs> the environment was such that, and is still such that, they can make your life pretty miserable if you are a an independent, like I'm sure you are, and I definitely am.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure, so, and I uh, and I do understand the point. I, I get the difference, and I, I hear what you're saying. When when this all happened, March of 2020, and it just so happens, <laughs> it was on. I think it was uh, the 13th anniversary of my full-time job here in Santa Barbara. St. Patrick's Day is when they said, Okay, everybody stay home. We have a pandemic. We got to knock this thing down. Now, I thought about what they suggested. There were several things that went through my mind. If we do what they're asking us to do, we could be through this in three months. We could be done with this in three months. However, there were those who chose not to, and it went on for two and a half years. And in one sense, it's really not over yet. Supposedly, this is the other, this is the other part of this whole scenario that we're going to talk about a little bit <clears throat> is whether or not you to this, whether you or not today, you choose to believe the same people who told us back in 2020, March, pandemic, shut the doors of the businesses, everybody go home, stay there until this thing dies out. Uh, And of course, the fewer and fewer people are believing the powers that be these days. Um, Well,
1: they also also told us that if you take this jab, you will be immune. Right. And then we learned that that wasn't true. Right. So your question about if we had just done what they said and taken the jab would have been over three months is actually not correct.
0: Well, even back then in 2020, we didn't have the jab. I just thought if we isolate ourselves from one another for that period of time, we'd be through it. It would just die off.
1: Oh, gotcha. but,
0: but as I say, there were those who basically said, no, I'm not going to do that. I mean, these were very headstrong individuals who haven't believed what authorities, they, they, they've lived by the credo from the 60s, uh, never trust authority or always question authority, you know. And that's fine. And I'm not criticizing that. But I'm just saying that it, it, it didn't go away in three months and now we're, you know, heading into to the end of the third year and I don't know whether it's over or not. And to be honest with you, what I'm doing and probably what you did <clears throat> is I've done everything I can to support and bolster and fortify what I'd like to think of I- is my immune system that's already very strong. Uh, and I know a lot of other people uh, like me are doing the same thing. Some people did get the first vaccine. I did. I got, and I was only going to get the one. I was not going to get a double dose kind of thing because I didn't want two shots. Okay. That's just me. That's the guy in me who doesn't like needles. (laughs) If I'm going to get, if I'm going to get it, I'm only going to take it once. And that was back in June of 2021. And I haven't had anything since. Now I've tested positive once, but it was a very short term of positive, but I didn't have any symptoms. So I guess I was asymptomatic. And then I was negative again. And the only thing that frustrated me about being positive was, darn it, I can't go and do this because I'm thinking, I don't want to spread this. I don't want to give this to somebody else, you know, because I've heard of people who it's been horrible for them. I mean, they lived. And then, of course, there are those who haven't lived. Uh, but let's, let's shift gears here away from the virus because... Quite honestly, uh, there are hundreds or thousands or millions of all kinds of viruses and bacterias that are floating around that we inhale and exhale. no effect, nothing. And then there are others well, that knock us down and take us out. What you said earlier is so important What's that that? Is
1: building your, you know trusting the immune system. I mean we are designed. I believe by a creator, because I, I believe in God. So mm-hmm. I believe that a prime creator is the designer of all biological life. Mm-hmm. And that we are designed as the most incredible, complex beings. And that our immune system is designed to keep us healthy as long as we take care of our relatively care of ourselves.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that you know, we are programmed to believe by these authorities that it's not that way, that we needed to be bombarded with every kind of pill, medicine, treatment all through our lives, starting now with the with the babies, just jab, 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 jab of every kind of thing. And it's telling the immune system, no, you, you, you don't know what to do and poisoning the body over and over and over again. So my uh, theory, which is probably similar to yours, is we need to be absolutely in charge of our well-being not the government not the medical people we for example when i i I went to a doctor recently because i had some problems with my lungs and i was a little concerned because i've had pneumonia and they started writing all these prescriptions. it was they they didn't find anything on the uh, x-ray and she said i want you to have this i want you to have this shot i want you to have the pneumonia vaccine i went i said hold it whoa did you find anything no but at your age, you should be taking A, B, C, D. And I said, no, I don't think so. And this doctor said, I'm sorry? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, I'm not going to be taking it. And she said, I'm the doctor. I said, yeah, it's my body. And I trust my body. Mm-hmm. And you know, if I'm not unwell, this is something that's fleeting, it's passing. I'll let my body figure out how to how to heal it, take good care of myself. And if I don't get better, I'll get back to you. And needless to say, in a couple of weeks, I was better, and that was the end of the story. But the point being that the the, the medicine of today is just medicate, 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 shot, shot, and we are not allowing the body, the uh, natural defense, the mechanism that is the healthy body, to fight off. Like you said, it comes—you know they breathe them in, we breathe them out. It's part of life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the healthy body that hasn't been tampered with with every kind of medication knows what to do, that's definitely my
0: point. Well, here's another side to that too in terms of breathing it in and breathing it out. Every molecule of uh, oxygen uh, that ever has been and ever will be has been circulating the planet as long as human beings have been on the planet, which means that you and I, we've been breathing the air of our ancestors and their ancestors, I mean we've been taking in the oxygen. Uh, and and, and the, the, the molecules, they even scientifically proved this because they would carbon date. They would find a way that they could make this determination. That, um, for example, uh, how do you know that maybe the air you're breathing in isn't the same air that uh, the Christ breathed in, or the Buddha, you know, or uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, or whoever, whoever you want to list, as well as those who are on the dark side of the force. Um, so it's it's all out there, but the question is, what are you going to do with it? I want to let you folks know that we're talking with uh, Patricia Corey. She is the author of a very interesting book, a novel uh, wh- that uh, basically talks about uh, the hacking of the God Code. It's the conspiracy to steal human souls. is It's distributed uh, <clears throat> by Ingram. It's available, of course, at Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all the other great places. And uh, she, by the way, is an internationally acclaimed author, public speaker, and thought leader with 13 published works to over 22 foreign editions, with 22 foreign editions. And uh, you're also the former host of the BBS uh, radio show, Beyond the Matrix. Interesting stuff. We're going to continue as we talk with Patricia Corey right here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, and... uh, This is really a fascinating program. I've not had a conversation like this on this subject for quite a long time. I was sharing with you, uh, Patricia Corey, uh, off uh, off air before we started, uh, that I interviewed a gentleman by the name of Epperson, wrote a book called The New World Order back in, uh, I want to say it was the mid-late 80s. And, uh, you know, and he went down this sort of path. But it was more uh, saying this is just what's going to happen because these people are in control and I'm just telling you, but the way I am getting from you is that you're not just telling us what's been happening and what's going on, but you're also giving us some, some guidelines or some support, some ways that we can what uh, protect ourselves or what, what, what word would you use in that regard? The word that I would use would be to be empowered.
1: To step into fearlessness and to be empowered so that you know what's going on in the outer world, but that by being in fearlessness, you don't resonate with it, you don't draw it to you. And that is something that we have to build because we've been programmed to be in fear every day, every minute of the hour now. I mean, you know, the way that the world is spinning so fast and the information is coming so fast, we are so bombarded with not just bad news, but things to terrorize us. I mean, you know, it's almost it's almost laughable if it wasn't so horrible that we're even talking about zombies and zombie apocalypse. I mean, it's just out there, sci-fi, terif- ter- terrifying things, as well as the normal political, social war, destruction things. So that the human being today is contemplating some pretty grisly stuff on many levels. And my approach is, okay, we can look at it. Let's look at it. Because to not look at it, to just say, I don't want to think about that. i am you know got my little family and I, I just want to stay in the light. To me, that is avoidance and avoidance isn't going to help. I prefer to look at it, to understand what's going on, and then to be empowered to say, I can look at you, dark side, beast, whatever you want to call it, But I know I am connected to source and I have the force, I have the health, I have the power to override what's coming in.
0: Well, it's time for your booster shot, folks. Hacking the God Code is our conversation piece today. And uh, author, guide, and visionary Patricia Corey is my guest here on the program. One of the things that, uh, again, we're we're wanting to enlighten people, inform people uh, you know I mean it's said in the scriptures "Ye shall know the truth and the truth will set you free I've been saying for decades and I'm 62, if you have no secrets to keep you have no secrets to keep and when I say that I speak of governments, I speak of the organizations that governments have created to spy on other governments to uh, for espionage and this and that and the other you know and then of course everybody gets all bent out of shape when one other country they stole our stuff well if you didn't have secrets to keep then they wouldn't have stolen it they wouldn't have needed to That's why, as much as I don't want to take away someone's right to, say, file a patent for an invention or something, even in the Old Testament, it says there's nothing new under the sun. You know, you can't patent something that isn't new. You may think it's new. Cell phones, you may think that's new. It's not new. All it is is a new form by which we communicate. That's it. That's it. We're still community If we didn't have them, we would still communicate. We would find ways. You know, I haven't written written literally written a letter in a long time, and I've had this urge to write one to my parents. There, my dad's 91 and my mother 88, and you know, and and I just I just you know it's like every once in a while I get this compulsion, get a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen and hand write a letter and do it neatly so they can read it. <laughs> I should have been a doctor with my handwriting. Um. <clears throat> I sometimes wonder, Patricia, uh, and I ask this question quite often, just because we can, does that mean we should? Innovate. Just because we can create the automobile, should we? Just because we can create uh, the the uh, the cell phone, the smartphone, does that mean we should? Just because we can create portable, uh, let's say, blood pressure and... Uh, Uh, blood sugar meters and so forth uh, for individuals to use and hopefully they're calibrated correctly, does that mean that we should? Just because we have doctors, does that mean we should go to them and trust them with our health? You said it quite well. It's my body. Uh, And so now I want to ask you about this whole business of the God Code. First of all, let's define it. What is the God Code?
1: Can I just back up on something you said, which I thought was very important? Sure, us? go ahead. Oh, I agree with you completely uh, where you were going. Should we, should we, should we? And I think that w- we need moderation. In other words, at the moment, you, you get a group of maniacal geneticists that decide they're going to splice the DNA and make chimeras and, and do all the weird stuff that they're doing in the lab, and they take civilization in a direction, they a small handful of people want to go. And it's the same with technology, the runaway technology, where 20 years ago you had a conversation, now you can't even walk down the street without somebody walking right into you because they can't take their cell phone out of their face long enough to walk across the street. And so I I think that when you say, should we, should we, I I believe that it's important for civilization to have some controls Mm -hmm. on runaway technology or whatever. In it, right now, it's uh, which we're going to get into now, it's the DNA, it's the manipulation of DNA, which is very, very serious. And um, the runaway technology, and these are things I, I deal with in the book, and transhumanism, turning humans into robots is a very real thing that is being developed on our planet mm. at warp speed which is why I'm addressing it in my book, why I think it's important people you know, take it out of the category of this is sci-fi or it's a conspiracy theory yeah. and start to learn about the fact that these things are going on in warp speed in laboratories and universities around the world. And
0: okay. you raise an interesting point, no pun intended, I'm sure. Uh, you take a look at one character from the Warp Speed series. The board is a humanoid with all those components Plugged in, and bio, right. a, a, a bioelectric or biomechanical, or however you want to term it, biotechnological, and exactly. you know that we have
1: the. You, I don't know if it was before we started talking. We were talking about the New World Order. Yeah, uh, they are openly out there now. There's no hidden New World Order. It is openly presenting itself to civilization. And some of those that are in charge of this new world order, or at least in positions of power, are openly discussing the fact that they want to take humanity from what they call human 1.0 to a new version, a new model, as spoken by Harari, who is an advisor to the World Economic Forum. He said, human 1.0, the biological human, is actually outdated. He said, you know, this idea of God and the soul, he said, it's going to become irrelevant because now we know how to hack that. We can, humans are hackable animals and we're going to improve on that by humans being hooked up to technology so that you can have your heartbeat and all of your body functions registered in the great computer in the sky and there'll be no more need for doctors, no more need for humanity because everything will be hooked into this system this uh, alternative society, uh, uh, system that is this the board cyborg mm. and you know even because it is a Star Trek term a lot of people laugh at it but that is exactly what they're planning that is hooking us up uh, with internal parts, Internal technology, with wearable technology, and with much more powerful cell phones and computers that are coming in consciously. I mean, you know that if you go to the grocery, if you go to a store, and you've got your cell phone with you, it starts to send you advertising for what you're looking at. Most people have, have had this experience. Wow! I have.
0: Wow! I yeah, I keep my. I, I was, Yeah, I keep my phone in my uh, holster.
1: (laughs) I was in a store not that long ago. I don't like the phone, so I don't always have it with me, but I did. And I was looking at tennis balls for my dog. And uh, the next thing I know, on my cell phone, I'm starting to get ads for tennis, ads for tennis balls, ads for tennis clothing. I'm like, whoa, did it read my mind? Or is it perhaps it picked up the barcodes for the balls? But whatever it is, it's way too powerful for the autonomous, sovereign human being. And we need to be advised of this and alerted. Now, to go on to the question of the what is the God Code. So I believe that within the DNA, the DNA is the divine architecture, or I call it the divine blueprint. And by nature of it being the blueprint of a prime creator or God, whatever name you want to give to that higher being, it has by nature of its creation, the code, the mind, the signature of its cre- of creator. Just like an artist signs his, his portrait, the God signature code is within the DNA. DNA is a language, it's a divine language made up of how many billions of of uh, segments Mm -hmm. that are alphabet. It can be recorded now. We see the DNA with the letters repeating and in different segments that are spelling out the, let's call it a computer code, if you want, of divine wisdom within the DNA structure. Mm -hmm. And I believe that underlying that language is the spark of light that is our connection to God. Mm. Now, what is hacking the God code? The scientists in the laboratories, and genetic laboratories, now have a tool called CRISPR, CRISPR Mm
0: CRISPR-9.
1: And this tool allows them with relative ease to go into the DNA, to cleave out, to identify what they want to take out or repair Cleave it out, cut it out, and replace it with something else. Now, how diabolical is that? Are they capable of going in and removing the God code and replacing it with something else? And my God, could that be the mark of the beast, what they're putting in? That Mm. is a thesis in my book. One of the themes of my book is, are they cleaving out the God code with the intention to replace it with Something else, something like the 666? Mm. And is the mark of the beast going right. to be a chip like everybody thinks? Yeah. Or is it going to be in the DNA itself, the mutation of human DNA, stripping out the God code and inserting a new master, if you will?
0: Now, Paul says, fear not the one who can kill the body, but the one who can kill the soul, which... Exactly it's more than an implication that the soul can be killed. Is that right? I don't know.
1: I, I don't know. That's one of those great existential philosophical questions that will torment us until we're <laughs> on the beyond. <laughs> but I do believe that if you give it away, if you allow them to put that needle in you, it's like the the music industry signing their the contracts in blood. That really happens. Yeah. Plenty of artists have said it's real. So when you sign your your contract in blood, knowing that you're signing up for that, you are basically saying, "I give you. I, I'm I'm signing up for it. Yes, mm-hmm. you can have my soul in exchange for uh, whatever I'm going to get—riches, fame, whatever." So if you if you agree to take the shot, and they're going in with mRNA that alters the DNA, are you signing up for that? Are you saying, yes, go ahead? And in in that case, are you allowing? Which is a, it's a very philosophical question and point Mm -hmm. because a lot of people agreed to this innocently. They didn't say, yeah, I'll take all the riches and where do I sign the contract? And so we're looking at at a very dangerous, very troubling situation here, where we know that what they're putting in in the mRNA is a synthetic messenger that we now know alters the DNA. The question is, what is the altering? Mm. And that's what I address in the book. And are is that software? Because we know now that the mRNA is a, is a synthetic software that alters the DNA. Because there was a research exa- a test proven in Lund University in Sweden where they proved that the mRNA is altering the DNA in hepatic cells and then from there we now know that it alters the DNA so the question is what is it doing to the DNA
0: mm.
1: and but- you know personally I don't want anything changing my DNA I'm just as happy as a little clam to be a pure uh, being that pure Pure will get you in trouble every time, but to be to be in, to, to be a, a biological sovereign being, I think is very very important, and that we need to understand what's going on, and that's what hacking the God Code is about. The book, and in answer to your question, that is my understanding of what hacking the God Code is: trying to dim the light of our of our God being.
0: She says that we are in Armageddon, a spiritual battle of darkness and light. Only from that place of immutable strength can we reverse the destructive course set for us by a global political class of swarms of uh, minions who are dedicated to those who rule over them. I'm curious about one thing, and then we're going to move on to something else. Would you say that the events in the United States that culminated in January 6th, 2020, and everybody knows just like 9-11 what that is, that that was part of that? Because that just doesn't make any sense to me that people would just willingly turn over control of themselves to another human being who has said, go, kill, destroy. Because that's what happened. And yet there are still those who say, oh, no, it was just tourists. It was just like a tourist group. And I'm going, tourist groups, they, they go in and they they break down doors and break open windows and yell, uh, you know, hang so-and-so, hang so-and-so. Those are tourists? Maybe maybe in the days of, of, of the Vikings, <laughs> but not in the 21st century. So can you can you say that events like that are part of this process that the these powers that you talk about and and you make reference to in hacking the god code um that's kind of what they want
1: They want anarchy Boy, this, this is a very heav- <clears throat> heavy subject I understand a lot of things that occur on on the, in these scenarios are orchestrated because when you look at them, instead of just looking at the actions that happen, Mm -hmm. you need to, or I do look at who has to gain from this. What is the objective here? Not what happened, who were the people, um, but the bes- underneath, there's always an underneath.
0: What's, and the, the, under- what's the end game? What's the end game? What's
1: the end game, exactly. And who benefits from it, mm-hmm. right? And <clears throat> I don't want to get into politics. Because no, no, no.
0: I, I, I just was curious.
1: But in the case of, of this event, who benefited from it are the people that, in my humble opinion, are now using it as a wedge against... The Patriots against the right, against the uh, Trump, against the forces that are they are claiming were responsible for it.
0: Hmm.
1: And I don't have a, I wasn't there, so I don't know. But the point, my point is, who gains from it?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And in the case of nine one one, who gained from that? And the answer is that within 24 hours of the event, Homeland Security was put into action and our rights were stripped away in a New York minute, right? Yeah, literally. 24 hours later, they had a 2,000-page Homeland Security document all ready to go.
0: How's that possible?
1: That's what I think. And so, you know, when I look at what happened on, the, on in January, and I've got to be careful because if you're a denier... Then they come after oh. you, and I'm I'm not a denier. I'm just looking at it, going, who, who gains from this? Yeah, and all of the things that are unfolding mm. now—the rioting, the uh, events, the shootings, whatever—who gains from that? Mm. If people would look at them, at these events, these terrifying things, not as, oh my God, look what happened, but who gains from this? What happens from this? Mm. If you if you've got a two thousand page document the day after nine one one. You've got your answer, and I don't know about January 6th, but you know uh, I do know that it's being used as a wedge against the right, the patriots, the um, the people, the people that are. I hate to say, I even mention Trump because it gets people all aflutter. So, but again, you know when you're talking about a, a controlling system like a new world government that wants to control the whole planet, Uh, these things, how they utilize these events in order to gain more power, to divide the public, first of all, Mm -hmm. into conquer and divide. It's an old
0: Roman strategy and it still works. Well, and even Jesus said that a house divided against itself will not stand. Period. And you Will you, not you Look stand. at
1: how divided people are now. It is yeah. unbelievable yeah. that we have got to such a point that, you know, first of all, you can't say a word. No matter what you say, there's somebody that's going to be offended by it because yeah. they've been programmed to be offended by it. Yeah. And that division by all of these gender and, and politics and nationality, All of these aspects that are dividing humanity are empowering the system. Am I sounding like a radical?
0: No. <laughs> We're talking with Patricia Cole, uh, Corey, I beg your pardon, Patricia Corey. She's talking with us about the latest book. She has a novel called Hacking the God Code, A Conspiracy to Steal Humanity's Soul. And we are going to continue that here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, and we are here with Patricia Corey. We're talking about uh, this, this new edition. She's got several other books uh, that she has written over the years as well. Uh, what was, uh, obviously, you could have written... Uh, let's just say, a more factual, non-fiction piece. But you chose to wrote th- write this in the context of fiction. Do it's you not think- fiction. It's not a novel. It's not a novel. I beg your pardon. I misread something then. No, it's not a novel. It's not fiction.
1: It's full, it is of-, fact. full of
0: information, and it's backed up by facts and science. When you search out searched out the science to support your your conclusions throughout the book, uh, how could you be certain? Because of the lack of trust in science today, by all kinds of corners of the uh, 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 of the spectrum, uh, how can you be sure? And again, I'm not challenging you personally or anything of this nature from your book, but it's it's like when somebody chooses to use science, it's like I mean, I, 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 I was working for a Christian radio station for 15 years, back in the 80s and early 90s. And I always thought Christianity was, uh, it was a philosophy of faith, not science. And yet people within that philosophy will constantly try to use science to support their conclusion that Christianity is the only way. To which I say, if you use science, to support your philosophy, it's no longer a philosophy of faith. You can't have it both ways. Well,
1: Richard, let me say this. Sure. Let me
0: say this. At this
1: time in our evolution, in many ways, science and spirit are starting to merge. Mm-hmm. For example, I'm a metaphysician. I say this in the book. I'm not a physician. I'm a metaphysician. I'm a spiritual spiritualist as I I do bring in scientific information that um, supports some of the information in the book but the the and I know I don't claim to have the absolute answer the book doesn't claim it either the book says you need to look at this you need to contemplate this perhaps this perhaps that Mm -hmm. here's what's being said here's what's being done here's what's going on in the patents for example that are um, creating technological things that are factual. So that when I'm saying, do you suppose that this is where they're taking us? And then I quote the, the uh, patent. I'm asking the reader to draw from the information how they feel about that. But I'm never saying the science is this and therefore that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Nor am I saying it's, it's I know the, the way it is, I'm 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 saying, I believe this. This is my truth. Mm-hmm. I understand mm-hmm. that this is where we are. And then I look and see this, and it's like, oops. Here we have the, the theory. Here we have the patent registered with all the data on it. Let's merge science and spirit
0: mm-hmm.
1: and come up with a new perspective where the two aspects are merging, so that we get a more complete understanding of being spiritual beings dealing with a runaway technology, runaway—let's call it science, uh, engineering. Personally, I much preferred life forty years ago, pre-computers, pre-telephones. It was a was a gentler
0: humanity then as george bush senior <laughs> said it was, it was a kinder and gentler time <laughs> <laughs> of course he's,
1: he's one of the ones reasons that we're in this
0: mess but. right i hear <laughs> you i hear you well i have to <laughs> tell you that i think back on my childhood growing up in the 60s and 70s and uh in grade school and high school and so forth and i i I do miss those times because uh, the kids of the neighborhood, we were literally running all over the place, all through everybody's yards, front yards, backyards, the alleys, uh, the other side of the block. No problem. We were all just having fun playing. As far as I know, there were no gangs back then, except us. You know, we were a band of kids that were just having a good time. And we would play kickball out in my dad's front yard to his consternation because we kept kicking the ball into one of his trees that he had just planted. Um, but we just had the grandest time. And I think about the kids of today. Me too. And the, is that we were, you know, I'd like to describe
1: it as this, Richard. We were the last children to really under, to experience innocence. Yeah. We, were, we had unfettered. We were. Fettered. We were playing a kick the can. When I was a kid, it was called kick the can. We used to stay out until nine o'clock at night. And then my mother would say in the summer, kids, come in. And there was no fear. There were no rapists, no sex maniacs on the streets, plucking kids off the streets. It was a different time. And the children were healthier because we weren't. they weren't vaccinated. They were getting in the mud. They were getting the sick. They were getting the flu, they were getting <laughs> chicken pox, and getting over it, and all the healthier for it mentally, spiritually, and, and physically. Yeah. And now we have a breed of children who are scared to death, they're always sick, they've got 8 million shots, they're behind a screen 24-7, if it's not television, it's the computer or the cell phone, and I I, I feel for these children. Yeah. I hope that things swing back, because this is not healthy.
0: Uh-huh. And we have animals that, that travel through our program. I love the when the animals come into our program uh, with our guests uh, because it says they, they're picking up on something, they like it, and, and they're having a great time. And so I've never had a problem with that whatsoever. Patricia Corey is my guest, by the way. Who was that that just went by? That was my
1: girl, Pepper. She's a German shepherd and uh, the love of my, one of the loves of my
0: life. Oh, she's beautiful. What, what I saw of her, she is just gorgeous. I wanted to ask you um, about your own personal philosophy, which you've shared some of. How were you, how were you raised as a child? Philosophically.
1: Well, uh, um, okay. I w- First of all, I'm. I'm just okay, go, Pepper, lie down. <laughs> well, sorry about that. It's all right. I was raised by Italian parents in the United States, and our culture, Italian American culture, was real family-oriented. The, you know, the, the father at the head of the table. Um, my mother was a stay-at-home mom until we were much older. And I was a psychic, very psychic child. And my mother encouraged it. So wow. when I would tell her about these beings that were talking to me, maybe children are very psychic and it gets beaten out of them by the famous you're not really seeing that it's not real it's your imagination scenario, right? But mm-hmm. she said, "Look, honey, as long as you don't tell your father about this because he doesn't he doesn't he won't understand it, we can talk about it." So I would tell her that I had little beings that were telling me about space and you know, at those years, those the, that period of time I'm older than you. Um, <laughs> the kids weren't talking about parallel realities. And that language is, is new, relatively new. But when I was a kid, I used to tell my mother that I, I came from another universe, a parallel universe. Four years old, I told my mother I was from a parallel universe. So uh, I grew up with a very metaphysical approach to life. And as a kid, I was uh, always had visions of spirits on the other side and talking to animals and uh but i was a happy child very happy child mm. because i was protected when i you know when i see what's happening to children today i think my mother god forbid anybody tried to hurt my me or hurt her kids right and that what a what a privilege. The one thing, if you look at animals, how they protect their young, the one thing we should be entitled to is the love and protection of parents. And that's disappearing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But I had a a great childhood, an innocent childhood. I was very innocent because at the time, they're, they're, you know, I, I mean, really innocent. (laughs) <laughs> um so as i i always tell people i i got married at 18 because i was the only virgin left in california it's only a joke don't be offended people. <laughs> <laughs> because in the, it was in the 60s the late 60s 70s and i always make that joke but you know it was a wonderful time innocence and mm. and uh playfulness and that's gone. It's disappearing. The poor yeah. children of today, I, I really worry about them. I do.
0: We're talking with Patricia Corey, and uh, she has a fascinating book that uh, you're going to want to pick up a copy of. It's available, of course, through her website, uh, which I believe is patriciacorey.com. Is that uh, where you want us to send people?
1: Yes. That's, the, that's well, my side.
0: And we will be linked to your website as well, so people can go straight there. Hacking the God <laughs> Code, the conspiracy to steal the human soul. And we are on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it's really a pleasure to have Patricia Corey on the program today. Um, I'm curious about what you know about the soul. There was a program about death and dying on PBS some years ago and they wanted to see if there was any physical change specifically in reference to weight of an individual who was dying or who dies and they got the permission of this one gentleman and his from his family and his family that when he was about ready to die they would place him on this table that would weigh him from before he passed until after he passed and when he did pass on and they were very respectful throughout this entire experiment um, they noticed that there was if you're ready for this a decrease in his weight now nothing left the table okay now some will say well yeah well you know when the body Uh, when the body stops functioning certain organs and then you have stuff coming out of orifices and so forth. Well, even if that were the case, it's still on the table. It's still part of the total weight of this person. But it was like, I don't know if it was like an eighth or a quarter of a pound of weight just disappeared. Someone said, oh, it's probably uh, Maybe a a, a moisture evaporation after. No, no, no. This was right after. There was no time for evaporation. Now, it seems a little strange that if that were the departure of the soul, that the actual soul would actually have any kind of a material weight to it. And they did repeat this experiment, and the same kind of thing happened each time. But they, there was there, and there, quite honestly, what there's, there's this one law um, that says the, the the simplest of explanations is usually the truth. What else could it be but the soul leaving the body?
1: You know? that's a very fascinating uh, experiment. You know, it might very well be that the energy of the soul or the spirit body was. I mean, I'm just brainstorming here. Sure, live. sure perhaps that energy was uh, affecting the the density of the tissues
0: maybe the like, gr- and affecting the gravitational pull maybe on the body yeah maybe interesting because we are, we are electromagnetic beings yeah so perhaps when the soul leaves
1: uh, an aspect of that e- electromagnetism shifts ah. changes that yeah, that's a very interesting thing yeah
0: Well, let's talk about the soul beyond that. Let's talk about the soul. Um, That is a place where we... The soul, it has been said, is immortal. That we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Human existence is temporal. But we, riding around in these, I'll just say suits, okay... We are immortal, you and I, without the names of Richard Dugan and Patricia Corey. We are immortal. We have been from the beginning and will exist forever because we are spirit. What is your perspective, your observation or awareness or even experience of that level of immortality but also in terms of your connection to the divine
1: you ask wonderful questions Richard I all of my life my spiritual work is dedicated to helping people understand that they are immortal souls passing through a very finite tube I call it the tube of of life so in other words you're this infinite light you decide to condense <clears throat> into a material form called a body you come through the birth you you into the birth uh, arena in the mother and gestate and then you come into this physical life and pass through 70 80 90 short years in this appearance, illusion, aspect of consciousness, which is a very dense reality, even though it's not that dense when you you realize that the body is 90% water anyway. Mm -hmm. But the idea is compared to being a spirit formless self. You come into this form, you go through your drama and you go back out and go, phew, okay. And you know how without that understanding, which I've always had in my life. I can't imagine what it would be like to live without knowing that this is just a passage, not to worry. This is one of the reasons somebody said in a recent interview, he said, if you're talking about such heavy subjects, why are you always smiling? I said, I'm always smiling because I know I'm an immortal being. Mm -hmm. And that whatever is playing in the theater of life in the outer world is I'm watching it unfold. I'm watching a movie. I'm interacting with it, but I know I'm <laughs> this is just a passage. And I know this personally and I mean personally without doubt. Why? Because I've had a near-death experience. And when I had the near-death experience, I had the whole thing. I I, I drowned off of a cliff in called in a beach called Davidport off of Santa Cruz and um, the ocean spit me back out. It was the weirdest thing ever. I got sucked in, I was trying to cross over a cliff before the wave came in, it grabbed me, it threw me out. And the next, I had the whole experience. I heard the voice of God, I heard angels. There was this incredible joy and peace and bliss. If you've had it, it, you just know. Mm. And then um, I heard a voice say, it's not your time now. And the next thing you know, I'm on the top of this cliff, bloody, all scratched. (laughs) And someone in that state of consciousness, so I'm going to say angel, but I don't have an explanation for what that was. Somebody was in my face giving me mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, blue eyes, this love, and I started to throw up water. And the next thing I knew, this person, angel, was gone. And I sat on this cliff going, my life will never be the same again. And so nothing makes sense. First of all, because personally I've had that experience, I know without question, without a doubt personally, mm-hmm. that we do not die. We simply pass to another state. And in, in that case, you know, I can't even wait. If that's what's waiting for me, man, I'm looking forward to that. Because the bliss of that was... Loose unbelievable but regardless of that heavenly illusion it only makes sense that life is a passage for the soul and that we can reincarnate or we can we can go higher and higher and higher to return to the source which is god but i'll tell you what if you've had a past a near death experience mamma mia <laughs> it's, it's, it's everything and that's why I'm not afraid. And that's why I'm not afraid of the world. Yeah. Somebody said, what if they blow, they nuke the, you, Patricia, how can you not be afraid of the fact that they're talking about nukes? And I said, because we're, we don't get out of here alive. That's right. So if they're going to nuke it, that's just one way we go. Get over it. Stop worrying about it. And, uh, you know, I, I feel for the people. I have family yeah. who are not religious. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in anything else, how can you sleep at night? If you believe that you've only got 70, 80 years and that's it, you don't exist anymore, you're complete lights out, it's like, what would the purpose of that be?
0: Yeah,
1: What would the meaning of life be if that's all there is? What a strange idea. And and one of my brothers said, yeah, I'd love to believe like you do, but I just don't. I'm like, how sad. Well.
0: You know, I... Um, I'm, kind, I'm the same as you uh, but I come at it from a different perspective. I have not had a, a near-death experience. My brain processes the information that I have gathered over the last 62 years and comes to the conclusion, of course it was more than it was less than 62 years ago I came to this conclusion, my life has meaning. If my life did not have meaning, then I could forget about this interview, go out, rape, pillage, and plunder, because it doesn't matter. My life has no meaning. It's irrelevant. But there's something inside of me. I want to talk about this with you. But there's something inside of me that says my life has meaning. Ergo, it doesn't make sense that it's lights out. Now, let's just say for the sake of argument, Patricia, it's lights out. You're not going to know anyway. What difference does it make if it's lights out? You're not, I'm not going to know. You're not going to know. My sister who passed last March, she doesn't know because it was lights out. But that doesn't make any sense. It's illogical based upon the experiences that I've had in this life. I will say, I'll put it in this context to keep it in a, in a humble format. The moderate amount of wisdom that I have, I have gleaned from my experiences, including my father, who, by the way, he actually said, eat, drink and be merry in moderation because nobody gets out of this world alive. That was one of his quotes. Um, But that's where I come from. Now, I try to share this with people who are afraid. Uh, My wife is one of those who is afraid. She doesn't know. I said, and I would tell her, I said, look, I don't know beyond any shadow of a, but of a doubt. But I believe, based upon the logical processing, again, of that information, that there's more after we leave, we, we, we take off this big, giant suit, this coat, this whatever you want to call it. Mortal coil. Mortal coil. When we let that go, there's something more. And, and I don't want to say there has to be. No, there doesn't have to be. I just choose to believe that there is. If there is or isn't, is sort of irrelevant.
1: And that's faith, you know. And it's like and that's I faith, said, exactly. I, sure. I was trying to make it very clear that that personally, yeah, I'm not saying that I know, and therefore everybody needs to hear. Yeah,
0: we're not putting this on anybody else.
1: For, for me personally, I know, and it's it the most extraordinary thing. But you know, even if I've not had that experience, I've always had faith. That I am an immortal from childhood because I saw, I can see spirits still today. I can see spirits sometimes. I can communicate with people's spirits who have passed over, and um, I've always believed. I've always believed in God. I've always been believed in immortality, and I've always believed in the in the eternity of the soul.
0: Hmm. Well, I myself, born and raised Catholic, but when I started my search at the age of 17 uh, from the first book I read on the subject uh, autobiography of a yogi it is my metaphysical primer I am also a metaphysician I have been a Baha'i I have studied uh, uh, many other uh, philosophies uh, Buddhism and Hinduism and I am working on th- uh, the Muslim faith trying to read the Quran uh, in a in a in a well translated version of the Quran uh, and other ancient wisdom teachings, as I like to call them. I've attended a number of different classes, courses, um, uh, personal growth programs, starting with Life Spring in, in early 1980, uh, as well as Omega and Delta Vector. I've read all kinds of books from uh, Gerald Jampolsky to Ram Dass and and Leo Buscaglia, who they called the Love Doctor back in the 80s. My parents actually introduced me to him uh, through, his, through his work. I still have the cassette series of, of the late uh, Leo Buscaglia. Uh, Wayne Dyer, um, Gandhi, I mean, uh, Baha'u'llah, who was the founder of the Baha'i Faith. Uh, you know, they, they have a way of solving problems that takes all of the politics and all of the moaning and groaning and complaining out of the the decision making and it's a beautiful thing if only we could incorporate that Um, so I, I, I I yeah I have a lot of book learning that's true but I've also had a lot of experiential learning as well and it's what has brought me here today with you to talk about this work because I think it's important to to make that caveat about the book yes you're talking about some very serious stuff from the mortal material perspective but you're also saying yes that is true and it's temporary and in one sense wouldn't you say you 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 that it isn't even real I mean I'm not saying it isn't real we can ignore it forget don't get her book because it's irrelevant no but it's we make things realer than they ought to be because we we give those things power and you talked about the solution is becoming empowered. We talk about people participating in the decade of perfect vision the 2020's we ask them to go within and listen to that still small voice. Talk to us about the importance of intuition and listening to that still small voice even while reading Hacking the God Code.
1: Well, I love what you just said. Thank you for that wisdom. I, I, I want to help people recognize that in the end, no matter what drama is playing out around them, they are the master. They are the sovereign. They are the master of their destiny and how they interpret and interact with the outer world determines the experience they will have in this life. Now, and that's a foregone conclusion. The driving theme in this book is, however, if these dudes are capable of hacking the human being and plugging us into some AI monstrosity where they're using our DNA to plug in data into a big central computer. Hold on a minute. That changes the game. Because then you become synthesized into a artificial reality. So the idea here is computers are on a binary zero one code system.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The DNA has billions of codes, billions of uh, arrangements of the basic letters of the DNA. Are they going to be trying to use human DNA to build out this system? And if so, how does that affect our life, our eternity, our immortality? I don't want to be my soul, my Take out the soul. My being, my DNA, to be part of a bigger system that is synthetic, that is artificial, and that that is being utilized in some monstrous Internet of Things, which they're now talking about Internet of Bodies, where they're hooking up. They're openly using this terminology now, the Internet of Bodies, where they hook you up and they can read your heartbeat and yada yada and plug into your neural frequencies, etc.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that changes the game. And yeah. I I think it's very, very important to have this dialogue that wait a minute here, whatever is the immortal soul, whatever is my passage, my understanding of life, of being, of connectedness to the all that is, God, universe, is that being now endangered by a bunch of maniacs who want to control and alter the very species of homo sapiens and the animals and something i want to say here is to the people that are afraid like your wife the ultimate weapon is not a nuclear it's not scalar waves it's none of the things that they have available are the ultimate weapon the ultimate weapon is the ability to change and alter the DNA. Because you can survive. I mean, look at Hiroshima. It survived and rebuilt. Look at all of the other weather wars. Mutations will happen, but life will go on. But if you alter the DNA of a species, you permanently change or destroy that species. And to me, that is the ultimate weapon, because you can't go back. And so that is a concern that I bring up in this book.
0: It it's, Very big. Uh, yeah, It sounds as though through this process, it it um, circumnavigates the immortality aspect of the soul away from spirit, away from. Shall we say the, if I can use it in this context, the natural order of things, spiritually speaking, to almost um, imprisoning someone's soul yeah. via the DNA manipulation into this technology that 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 we're talking about here.
1: Yes, and that's a very good, uh, keen observation, remembering that these people that are behind this don't believe in in immortality. And so therefore, they're scared to death of death. Mm. And so their idea is, well, yeah, but you can extend the life by extending the uh, brain cells of a being, incorporating it into an eternal artificial intelligence network, It's very bizarre stuff. And I don't think that this is the direction the human race should take. And I also don't believe they're going to get away with it, by the way. Because, yeah, we're talking about heavy stuff. But I don't believe in the no win scenario. Thank you, Captain Kirk.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The Kobayashi Maru. Yes.
1: I'm so glad you know.
0: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed.
1: Nobody ever beat the Kobayashi Maru
0: except Except Kirk. That's right. That's right. I always believe that there is there is always a workaround. Uh, I came up with that when I first got into computers and I was trying to do certain things. I, I built computers back in the late 90s uh, and into the 2000s. And uh, I built my own computers. I'm putting in the peripherals with the motherboard and the hard drive and all of that stuff. And it was a lot of fun, I got to tell you. Now, I used to build models as a kid growing up. As long, while I'm listening to Autobiography autobiography of a Yogi in my teens, I was building models of ships and planes and spacecraft and all this kind of stuff. So to me, a computer was nothing more than a working model. And if I did it right, it would work right. Um, so that was a lot of fun. But there comes a point at, at which we have to find a way to reconnect to nature. I use this phrase often, and I want you to dive off of this board and talk about this. Nature is our greatest teacher. No
1: greater words were ever spoken for starters. Nature contains all the wisdom of divinity reflected back to us in every leaf, in every animal, every design of nature and how it interacts for the highest good, naturally, perfectly. If you just leave nature alone, only beauty emerges. So, you know, you can look at a, the other day, I was in kind of an altered state. I get into these. And there was a bee. I was wanting to photograph this bee because it was a bumblebee. And I was so thrilled that it was on the plant outside my door. And I got up really close. And I could see all of the sacred geometry in this animal's, this insect's body. Mm. I'm like, all there. God, creator. I, I like to use the term crime-created. Had to have been the ultimate mathematician, artist, because everything is in divine proportion. And the peace of that beauty, the beauty of nature, the peace of that, knowing that there is a divine plan and harmony. As soon as you get out of the constructed human relate, uh, realities of city and urban and the messes that we create, let's be honest, we, we really do have some jungle situations going on in mm-hmm. human civilization. And you breathe the perfection of nature. You realize this is divinity. I'm sitting right in it on the lawn, watching the little ladybug, watching how everything is in divine order, how the ant takes the breadcrumb away. And uh, I spend a lot of time doing that, just observing because nature, when you're really in nature, it takes you into a place of observation. And that place of observation is very Zen. And it gets you back in touch with yourself while you're interacting with everything that is alive and per, in divine ratio and proportion. So that's one of the reasons why I'm living on this island, because it is so beautiful and lush. The colors, the first thing that struck me about here is these colors don't look like anywhere else because the air is so immaculate. I mean, I've got ocean air. I'm in the middle of the Atlantic and the blue water, the blue sky and these green velvety hills. And every time you turn around, there's another wildflower uh, in bloom. And it just keeps you in a dimensional rapport with creation where you fit in it and how magical life really is it is
0: It is quite spectacular um, I don't know if I want to call it uh, a divine intelligence, god, uh, uh, whatever name you want to give it you tell me how a human being could ever design the unlimited variety and this is just of one element of 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 the the flora of all of the different trees on the planet there you know talk about snowflakes there are no two that are identical there are no two trees that are identical no
1: effect
0: and there are i don't know billions probably of trees on the planet Um, you know This just it's astounding and then yet there are no two human beings alike even if you're Siamese twins or conjoint twins or just regular old twins. There's still a difference between the two of you somewhere along the way. You're not identical in that respect because you occupy your own space. You don't occupy the same space as your twin.
1: And you have a consciousness that's different than the other.
0: Exactly. And so do the trees,
1: and so do the animals. They all have consciousness.
0: And you ask Perhaps yourself,
1: as evolved as human, maybe I don't know. Some humans don't have a really evolved consciousness. You so have
0: to, you have to ask the question. Yes, you do. It's perfectly legitimate. To,
1: when, when you get out on the water with the whales and the dolphins, you start thinking: Are we really the highest consciousness on this planet? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So,
1: you know, to be with them and to be experience the joy, the, for example, the dog, the now moment. No, nothing will get you into the now moment like a dog is.
0: Oh, I know.
1: The dog is just like, there she is. She's here. I'm good. I'm good. Are you, are you good? Do you love me? I love you too. Okay, I'm <laughs> going to sleep now. <laughs> and-
0: yes, our big black king shepherd, Angus, a hundred pound dog. Uh, he does the same thing to us. You yeah. Know.
1: It's so wonderful. It's so great to have an animal. I mean, oh, it's it's but, for children too, to learn. At Under one time the, we
0: had, um, was it nine or 11 cats? Uh, wow. Sadly, sadly, over the last uh, 15, 16 years, uh, we're now down to three. And, uh, and it was sad along the way. But I have to say that Like my sister, my oldest sister who passed away last March. um, The only place that I really shed any tears was at the memorial. Because my perspective, as I've shared with you, is that she isn't gone. Matter of fact, not only isn't she gone, she's everywhere now. She's everywhere. And uh, I started hearing her voice shortly after her passing. And I thought that's pretty cool. That's that's Very really cool. that's really neat. Now, I haven't of late, but that's OK. I, it's not like, oh, no, she doesn't love me. It's like, no, 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 no.
1: They move on I mean, when, when my mother died. Uh, I
0: thought I would die that my my mother was my
1: absolute light. And when she died, I, I went into extreme grief. And I knew a woman who was an extraordinary medium. And when I called her, she said, your mother's already been in touch. She she didn't know anything about my mother passing. She Mm. said, your mother's already been in touch. Come on over. I'm like. And my mother told me through her. She said, I hear you're wailing. Because I used to wail. Please come back. <laughs> Just, I was out of control. Uh-huh. I hear your implorations, honey. I hear you're wailing, and I'll stay as long as you need me. I'll, I'll stay close. But I got to go. There's stuff going on, incredible things. And I'm tethered to you, and I'm here for you. But, and I, the hardest thing I ever did in my life was to be able to be unselfish enough to say, you go, mom. I'm good, mm. and let go. Just really let go. You go, mom. I, you know, she said, "There's a, a, Ferris wheels and there's a there's a amusement park and there's a barbecue." And I was like,
0: whatever. <laughs> but
1: uh, you know, contemplating all of this is is some is really gives such a flavor to life. Contemplating the other side, contemplating who will be there when we pass, and I just don't have any fear of death. Which is a great
0: thing. Yeah, to not it's be in fear of that. It, absolutely. It is. It is one of those things that I would hope more and more people would begin to understand that, as with anything on this earth, uh, there has to be a continuation, and that can't continue if the person. Is, is is still here. Uh, it, it, there is no car that is going to last forever. I don't care how well you take care of it. Eventually, it is going to turn to dust.
1: Um, and can I interject something here? Uh, and the question is, if that natural process is not allowed to happen, and they hook you up to Borg Central, then what? Yeah. Then you still here on some level. And yeah. that is one of the things I keep addressing in the book, which I think is so important. It's like, let me be yeah. the sovereign soul that I am. You will not hook me up to this. I will not take your uh, chips and your luciferin and your DNA-stealing MRNA. Yeah. I am a sovereign.
0: Let me ask you one final question in regards to Hacking the God Code, which, by the way, is Patricia uh, Corey's uh, book, the title of the book. Have you determined, through all of the research and everything you've put into this book thus far, what is the end endgame, or, or is there one?
1: From these transhumanists? Yeah. I think they want an enslaved race.
0: I That's think, it. Well... They they want an enslaved race just to keep going and going and going and going and going?
1: And to feed the AI monster. I mean, this thing is out of control. They're now talking about AI talking about having its own god. Wow. AI itself talking about there is a god within our system. I'm like, whoa. And um, there have been uh, people who have reported that Robotics are saying they want to kill the human race. There's a lot of weirdness coming out of this. I want no part of it. I think that it's driven by uh, people with a dark agenda, very, very dark agenda. Mm. And I think that their agenda is to enslave the human race. Wow. And to control of it. Because if you've got a chip or an mRNA code or whatever that's rewriting my DNA, you own my DNA, by the way. Because the Supreme Court said, If they go in and they all, if if the laboratory alters your DNA, dig this. This is an interesting way to end the conversation. It went to the Supreme Court. Do they actually own it if they've altered it? And the answer was very clouded. Well, if it's in the body, it's not, uh, they can't patent you. But if they take it out of your body, yes, what they create with that is there. So you're talking about eventually they're going to, they're going to start claiming to own our DNA. That is slavery to the nth degree. Wow.
0: Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. Patricia Cole, my guest, and we have been talking about the uh, whole aspect of hacking the human code. It is the conspiracy to steal the human soul and this does go to the spiritual level folks and I hope that uh, you will stay tuned to tell me your story I'm Richard Dugan your host and we're talking with Patricia Corey Patricia Corey is my guest hacking the God Code I wanna ask you three final questions they don't really have anything to do with hacking the code the God Code they have everything to do with Patricia Corey And uh, I will ask you those three questions after I tell you that I want to thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. As we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true, Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Mondays at 1 a.m. and 9 a.m. on Wednesdays for our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. Our podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. We are also on YouTube where you can listen to and watch these interviews these conversations that we have in this case with our very special guest Patricia Corey and uh, we also ask you uh, if you can do so to support us financially we have a PayPal account it is there for your security as well as ours Any amount is greatly appreciated to to continue the work that we're doing here to bring you these interviews over 15 years' worth. And we are up to 89,000 listens on SoundCloud. That is almost, what is it, four years? Uh, 2018 is when we started January 1 of podcasting. So 18, 19, 20, 21, five years. The end of this year will be five years 89,000. Who knows? We could hit 100,000 before the end of the year, but as I've said before, the numbers are not really that important. It's that the information is getting out there. We also ask that you participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s, where we do ask you to go within and listen, listen to the still small voice and follow the promptings. You can trust that still small voice. We hope you'll do so. With all of that being said, we now go back to our guest and we ask those three questions. And in this 15th year, as we celebrate, we've changed the questions up a little bit. Uh, The first of those questions is still one of the original. And it is, who is Patricia Corey? Patricia Corey is a dreamer, a visionary, a
1: grounded Spiritualist and a believer.
0: What is your life's purpose?
1: To empower the other.
0: And this is the. I beg your pardon?
1: To empower the other, hands down. That is my mission. That has been my life work, and it will be to my dying day.
0: This is the new question for the 15th year. What was your best day? Wow. That is a toughie. I've had so many. <laughs> First one that comes to mind. Oh.
1: Best day. I'm I'm just bouncing all over the place. (laughs) I I think the the day that I got pregnant, unfortunately, it didn't last. I lost the baby, but I think the first time I got pregnant Mm -hmm. and I knew I was pregnant. That was my best day.
0: Mm.
1: Feeling the life swell up inside of me. Mm.
0: Well, Patricia, Corey, I want to thank you again for giving us so much time here on the program. An hour and a half, believe it or not, went by Um, like a shot. And uh, we, we thank you so much for sharing with us. PatriciaCorey.com is the website. Hacking the God Code is the book. We certainly hope that you will check it out and check her out. Go to her website, PatriciaCorey.com. It's the conspiracy to steal the human soul. And I think it's uh, definitely worth your uh, investigating, ladies and gentlemen. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, Love to Lal and Jeanette, I am listening.